Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, if you're having a hard time waking up, watch this dunk a couple of times. Are the Golden Woo! State Warriors about to sweep the Mavs and watch it in slow motion again. Tough weekend for Nick Wright. Tough weekend for Jason Tatum. Is he about to get bounced from club superstar? And little Laker news to pass along. They're still looking for a head coach after a high-profile name says, thanks, no thanks. I think I'm good right here. Good Monday morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things I mean, First. Jenna Wolf, Chris Broussard, Kevin Walsh. Where's Nick Wright? He just tweeted that his throat was a little scratchy. It's taken him in a second oh, to is, just pick up what's happening. Is he running? Gather his thoughts. <laughs> is he running? Clearly, clearly. He has a modem he's issue. Got, uh, yeah. Modem <laughs> issue. He's gonna join his dog us shortly. Ate the He's gathering. Oh, I'll be here. Oh, oh don't you worry about me, America. I'm right wow. here. Oh, I'm right here. here. I'm, you can't, can't get rid there of me that easily. Can't oh get my rid of me God. that easily. Well, he can, Let's get to it, Jenna. Let's get to it. Okay. Well, we we stretched long enough in TV speak. Here we go. So let's start with those Mavericks, Broussard, Warriors, Mavs, Game 3, Dallas trying to avoid a 3-0 hole. Nick, you know this, no team's ever come back from one of those 3-0 holes in the playoffs. But then again, no team has Luka except the Mavs. And he was good last night, 40 points, 11 boards. You know who else was good? The Warriors, 31 for Steph, 27 points from Andrew Wiggins. As Golden State wins, they're now just one game away from the finals. And Mr. Nick Wright, got to start with you. How in the world did you get this one so wrong? Okay. All right, first of all, I have not yet gotten it wrong. Let's be very clear here. Nobody said Brew got a series wrong if he gets the name, the number of games wrong. What is determinative is did you get the winner or the loser correct? And while we have never seen a 3-0 comeback, we have seen this very playoffs, the Mavericks, come back from 2-0. And we have seen a few years ago the Warriors blow a 3-1 lead. So we just need one step further in both of those regards. So I am not giving up hope. With that said, I have now had consecutive games that I woke up in the middle of the night from a dream that the games went differently, which speaks to the fact that this is not going exactly the way I had hoped. And game two will haunt me forever. Game two was the pivot point of the series. The Mavs had the opportunity to take control of the series, to steal home court, to show the Warriors who they are, 
and the Mavs folded. And it was a disaster. And then yesterday, they didn't respond the way they needed to. So what did I get wrong, Brew? And this is where the sports gods, you know, I believe in basketball gods. The basketball gods have been waiting, evidently in wait, to pounce on me. Maybe I got a little too arrogant during the Sun (laughs) series. Maybe I've been a little too mean to you. Because when I was breaking down this series, Steph is doing about what I thought he would do. Poole and Clay doing about what I thought they would do. Draymond is doing about what I thought he would do. So why is the team that I expected to be up 2-1 at this point down 3-0? It's two people. The first one is Kevon Looney, and I give Looney all the credit in the world. Guy's going 14-10-3 on, uh, what, on 78% shooting? I've got it right here. Yeah, on 78% shooting. He's, he's getting an offensive rebound, seemingly one in every five missed shots. And the Mavs have just not been able to deal with him. But the one that's really the most painful is that guy, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> because I did not anticipate Andrew Wiggins would be the difference in the series. And there is a clip going out around the Internet of me about two and a half mm-hmm. years ago declaring <laughs> the death of the Warriors dynasty because they had the <sighs> foolishness to trade for Andrew Wiggins and his terrible contract. And I said, Steph will now never make the finals again because of this albatross of a contract. And instead, he's dropping albatrosses on Luka's head. He's playing great defense. He's playing efficient offense. And Looney, Kavon Looney, and Andrew Wiggins are the difference makers in this series. It hurts my heart. I don't think the Mavs are dead, but they're obviously not in great shape. So that's how I got it wrong, Brew. I didn't expect Kavon Looney and Andrew <laughs> Wiggins. All right. Uh, real story, guys. This is no exaggeration, nothing. I just got a text about 10 or 15 minutes ago from a former NBA player actually sending me that clip that Nick re- referenced on Twitter. Uh about him declaring and saying, is it too late to get this in the show? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right, so, and here's the thing. Nick, you said it a week ago. My role on this show, Wilds, is as the wild, of uh, the wise elder statesman. Yeah, And I have to wise. determine each show, each circumstance, what slant, what tone, is proper for the wise elder statesman. So sometimes I need to chastise Nick. Sometimes I need to deride him, mock him. Other times I need to gloat, just fits. And sometimes, Wilds, I need to teach. This is a moment where I'm going to teach Nick Wright. All right, oh, I'm not going to gloat. I didn't, I didn't send the clip to Dusty and say, Dusty, let's go with this. Let's kill Nick. I am going to teach. And Nick, remember when I picked Boston over Milwaukee? What did I say? I said I went with my head over my heart. 
And that's tough to do because that means sometimes going against uh, previous loyalties. It means sometimes rooting for your a favorite player to fall short. It means sometimes putting being right in the short term ahead of being right in the long term. And Nick, that's where you failed. That is where you went wrong. You couldn't do it. And not only could you not put your head in front of your heart, but you doubled down on the road to Hartsville and you brought in not only one of your favorite players, Luca, but your other favorite player, LeBron. So, because LeBron made the finals in his fourth season, Luca was going yeah. to. Because LeBron yeah. made the finals without it a was second so star. Luca could do it. Yeah. Be because yeah. LeBron beat an aging former champion en route to those yeah. finals. Luca was going to do it. And Nick, yeah. it led you down a path of romanticization, fantasy, and wow. folly. And that is how you got to where you are, Nick Wilds. That's how Nick ended up in this bad okay. spot. No, okay. I appreciate the, you know, Chaucer level allegory you painted there. But I got in this spot because Andrew Wiggins and Kavon Looney are averaging a combined 35, 17, and 7. I did not expect that Looney and Wiggins were going to combine for a LeBron 2015 final stat line, except on 60% shooting. I got that one wrong, and I give Wiggins credit because he was a punching bag of many, maybe none more so than me for his time in Minnesota, and he has done what Bruce said, God dog it, what Bruce said he would do, which is be more than a capable fourth option. However, if you hear me perking up a bit right now, it's because I see what Wilds is holding. And if there is anything that can pull <laughs> the Mavs out of this deficit... It's no, it's what Wilds has propped up behind him. It's <laughs> tattooed into the background of his existence. Okay, so go for it. So Explain this is also not a bit. Mangled the day brain. that the Mavs go down three nothing, all of a sudden Nick has internet issues. Nick has issues with his modem. He, we keep on losing him during the segment. I have the broom out. Sorry, I'm starting to pixelate. It looks like I got to bail off the segment. It helps that he keeps on kicking the server and the modem off. That certainly adds to it. So here's the, the main point I want to make, Broussard, and you've got to be a stand-in for Nick. Uh, Luka Doncic is now 2-6 and six when he scores 40 points. And there's an idea out there that, hey, he's got to do it. What, what is he going to do? He's got to do it. Nobody else can do it. He's got to carry the load. No one else can do it. But there's a lot of guys that scored 40 points. Usually they win games. Luka is now 2-6. and six. So do you think that Luka needs to fundamentally change the way he plays? Or is this the path for the Mavs going forward? That Luka scores 40 and, they have to, and they're able to rebound better. They're able to like, you know, get more offensive rebounds, keep Kevin Looney off and shut down other guys. Or does Luka need to fundamentally change his game? Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say fundamentally change his game. But while okay. I said this a couple weeks ago, Dallas needs – this is what they need to do all offseason. 
figure out how we can utilize Luka and still maximize the guys around him. Because that's the, the way they're formed right now, you can't bring a second star in there because it's all Luka. That second star isn't going to shine except when Luka's on the bench and you give the team to the second star. So they've got to figure out how to maximize their players together. And, and Wilds, I said it, Wilt Chamberlain didn't win championships when he was averaging 50 points, 44 points, 37 points. Michael Jordan didn't, didn't win it averaging 37 points, 35 points a game. LeBron didn't win it in Cleveland when he was doing everything. You, this is a team game. When a one-man show, no matter how good that one player is, runs into a talented team that plays five-man basketball, he's going to lose. Period. The end. And that's what we're seeing in this series. All right. Well, grab that mangled broom, Wilds. Warriors go for the sweep tomorrow (laughs) night in Dallas. Game four. All right. Let's talk about another Another team out west, the Lakers, they're going back to the drawing board on their head coach search. Try to get Nick back if he's emotionally prepared to come back. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash FTF. netsuite.com slash FTF. netsuite.com slash FTF. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. First things first, can we talk some Lakers? They still don't have a head coach. It's not from a lack of trying. According to multiple reports, they've narrowed the search down to Terry Stotts, Darvin Ham, and Kenny Atkinson. The other name that's been floated out there, maybe you saw it this weekend, that guy, Michigan's Juwan Howard. But he reportedly said thanks, no thanks. He's got no interest in the job. Some say it's because he wants to stick around to coach his sons. Howard's wife says it's more than that. She tweeted this. I also wish they would stop making it about his sons. He's excited to coach every kid here. He wants to win a championship. Is that why he's staying? Mm. Broussard, Lakers still have their work cut out for them with this hire, but 
Will a new coach even be enough to get this team back to title contention? Is that all it takes? Well, Jenna, first of all, you said it. They have to make the right decision with this hire, obviously. All right. And I think of the three top candidates, uh, reportedly the top candidates, Terry Stotts, Kenny Atkinson, and Darvin Ham. I think Darvin Ham is the way to go. Terry Stotts is a good coach, very good offensive coach, and not much on the defensive end. Kenny Atkinson had trouble with superstars, or at least Kyrie Irving, in Brooklyn. Now, maybe that wasn't his fault, but still, he had an issue with the superstar. Lakers are superstar laden. Darvin Ham is a former player that guys respect. He's got a very strong presence about him. He learned on a championship coaching staff with Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee. And he is, we see that a lot of the best young coaches are former players. Willie Green, Monty Williams, Emil Doka, uh, Ty Lu. We could go on and on. So I think Ham is the way to go. But that said, they still, uh, it's going to take more than the right coach to get this team on the right track. Now, first of all, the, the first thing is Anthony Davis. Okay, I don't care who the coach is, what other players you bring in. If he can't play 70-plus games and be healthy for the playoffs, that's going to be a problem. So just him healthy puts him in the playoffs no matter what they do with him and LeBron, unless LeBron just falls off the a cliff because of age, which I don't see happening. But Wilds, they obviously got to try to move Westbrook, and they have to add shooting. I'm not talking about great players. I'm talking about young guys that can shoot the three, and have the athleticism to guard. One thing we see, the final four teams left in the NBA right now, they were all in the top six defensively. The Lakers were a horrible defensive team with Frank Vogel, whose calling card is defense. All right, they were 21st in defensive rating, and I'm surprised it was that high. They were just horrible, couldn't stop anybody. So they got to go get some young, fresh legs, Wilds. If they do nothing else personnel-wise, meaning even if they have to keep Westbrook, go get young, athletic guys that can defend and have a decent shot from behind the arc, and that will go a long way in surrounding LeBron and, and AD with the right pieces. Just on a side note, it'll be interesting to see if amateur basketball, AAU, starts to really develop just 3 and D guys. Like, I'm thinking about just not letting my kid dribble ever. It's like, hey, here's your job. Shoot threes, and then you're going to play defense. That's it. You don't need to do one ball handling skill at all. You're going to catch up three-point shooter, and you just play defense. That's it. Okay, so here's here's my point. And I want to give a shout-out to Max Kellerman, who I fir- who first broached this idea. And when I heard it, I said, hmm, that's a, that's a good take. And then it was a seed in my brain. It grew and grew and grew. And I, I've upgraded. I said, Max Kellerman, that's not just a great take. That's actually the solution. And it's LeBron mm. as player coach. And now, Broussard, I think you're oh, going to dismiss gosh. this out of hand and say 0%. And I don't think I'm going to get you to 100%. But I'm just trying to get you to maybe 10%. I may be trying to get you to 8%. So here's the thing. I know the first round, oh, it's too much. It'll, it would be too much for LeBron to do. Maybe. Then again, Frank Vogel had eight assistant coaches. So could LeBron be 
the face of, of the team, make be the CEO of the team, be the leader of the team, set the direction of the team, and then delineate all those responsibilities to eight separate coaches. I think he could. We've also seen it happen before. There's been 40 player head coaches. Most recently, Dave Cowens. You know, Lenny Wilkins did it, and Bill Russell famously did it and won two championships, not just one. And he didn't have an assistant, uh, assistant coaching staff like they do now. Here's the final point, Broussard. And I think that I think that people just want to say, like, I can't happen, can't happen, can't happen. But can it happen for one game? If it was an emergency, could LeBron do it for one game? Of course he could. We're not talking about being a, you know, a heart surgeon where even doing it once is out of the question. So if you can do it for one game, could, it, could LeBron do it for 10 games? Could LeBron do it once a week? I think the answer to all those is yes. So you get to a point where like, man, well, if he could do it once a week, could he do it twice a week? It's just a matter of surrounding LeBron with the right pieces so he can maintain playing and be the coach. I, and final point is this. We know that LeBron always has a leadership role, a coach-esque role. Man, just stop with the charade. Let LeBron be the actual coach and have a very strong vice president, if you will, to, to lead the team and do the detail-oriented stuff, but it's LeBron who makes the decisions. So that's it. I know I'm not going to get you to 100%. I'm trying to get you to, you know what, Wilds, <laughs> I'll move that to my 10% probable meter. No. Wilds, you are not getting me to one-tenth of 1%. <laughs> No way. And look, I'm glad, Wilds, I'm glad this isn't your take. I really am because, and I have, look, I love Max. Max is my guy. I got nothing but respect for him. I think he does a great job. But this is the worst take I've heard in a long, long, long time. It's it's impossible in today's NBA. For several reasons. You mentioned all the former player coaches. When was the last time you had a player coach in the NBA? The 70s. All right, the game wasn't nearly as complex then. (laughs) But the game wasn't nearly as complicated then, all right? Just the film study. It's not about LeBron just showing up at film and breaking stuff down. It's about the study of the film away from the team. All right, when you're by yourself, and I know he does that individually, but to do it for every player, it's just too much. He's smart enough, but it's too much to put on a guy's plate, not to mention all the various strategies. And yeah, you got coaches style, a, a staff to do that. But here's the other problem, Wilds. The ego of today's player, the branding of today's individual players, they're not going for it. And, and obviously, guys have major league respect for LeBron James. I, but who is the most beloved, respected basketball player in history? Michael Jordan, right? And when Michael Jordan went to Washington his last two seasons, you have players in that locker room, Wilds, Jerry Stackhouse and, and others that grew up idolizing Michael Jordan, his poster on their walls. But because he kind of took on the persona of not just the great player, but a coach kind of, he's tight with Doug Collins. He handpicked Doug Collins to be the coach. Mike was kind of like a coach persona and the players hated it. They hated it. This is your idol. They hated it. 
And I'm telling you, guys don't like it when the player, no matter how great, is the GM too, is the coach too. It's, it wouldn't work today. But also, management already down on LeBron after the Russell Westbrook fiasco. Not sure they would instill enough confidence that he would need to actually go ahead and coach the team. Oh, we got to move on. What happened to Jason Tatum? Will he be bounced from club superstar after what we saw on Saturday? First things first. Back after this. All right, here we go. We got to talk some basketball. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Heat Celtics game three Saturday night. Series squared at a game apiece coming in. Miami had something to say about that. Rebounding in a big way from that game two debacle. Miami led by 26 in the first half. Jalen Brown did everything he could to get Boston back in this. 40 points, helping the Celtics pull within one. It wasn't enough, though. Heat hold on for a 2-1 series lead. We got to talk about Jason Tatum. 10 points on 3 of 14 shooting as he fought through a shoulder injury late in the game. Broussard, how much blame should Tatum take for this loss? Well, a lot, Jenna. And look, if Jason Tatum doesn't get it together, I'm going to be sitting where Nick is in a few days with foot squarely in mouth, okay? So, uh, JT, you got to get it together, my man. But he, I will credit him this way, Wilds. He did wear it, right? He took the blame. Like, one thing about Jason Tatum, he will go to the podium and admit, I've got to be better. He did it after game one. He's doing it after game three. But I'd like him to have to quit having to do it, okay? Just go out and play well. And Wilds, it it seemed like Tatum was not engaged. It's one thing to shoot poorly, and Nick brought it up last week. They're 6-0 when Tatum shoots 50% or more. So obviously, when he hits shots, they're basically unbeatable. But you're going to have nights where you miss some shots. He was 3 for 14. But Nick, I didn't think he was engaged. And look at these first two turnovers that he had. They are just boneheaded mistakes. Like, pull up for the mid-range shot. That's all you have to do. Both of these. You can pull up. You have space. Just pull up. You got a nice touch for the short mid-range jumper on both of those. He had room to do it. Instead, makes bad passes. And, Nick, in the two quarters that really decided the game, the first quarter they got blown away. He had, I believe, zero points, 0 for 2, only one foul. So he was just out there. He wasn't even committing fouls. He was just out there floating around. And then in the fourth quarter, when they made this comeback, got within a point. He had one point in the fourth quarter and three turnovers. In fact, after Jalen Brown got him within a point with about two and a half minutes left, uh, after a a bam out of Bayou bucket, Tatum makes another turnover, and that was essentially the game. So he can't – he's in club superstar. I know you're not kicking him out, but he's got to be more consistent his C minus game, Nick, they win this game. If he has his C minus game, right. they're up 2 1. 
Yeah, well, listen, Tatum was obviously awful, and you mentioned he's good about taking responsibility when he's awful. You wish he wouldn't have so much practice at it. I mean, he's had a few truly terrible playoff games. Game three against Milwaukee was really awful. This one was somehow worse. You did mention he didn't even get called for a foul. That might not have been because of lack of intensity. That might have been because the referees decided Boston wasn't going to be called for fouls. With a minute left in this game, Boston had a 27-5 to free throw edge. So let's go through the circumstances here. Jimmy Butler misses the entire second half. Tyler Hero's terrible. Boston is getting all of the calls. They have the emotion of home court, the added emotion of both Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum doing their best Paul Pierce imitations of, is that a career-ending injury? Oh, wait, he's actually going to miss less time than a hockey ship. They had all of that going, and they couldn't win. That is a devastating loss for Boston, and maybe more importantly, Wilds, at what point is the general media going to come around to the idea, maybe Miami's really good? Are they going to have to be up 3-2 in the NBA Finals? Are they going to have to have hoisted the trophy before people are like, hmm, this team that won the conference two years ago, that was the number one seed this year, that just won a game without their only superstar uh, playing in the second half on the road in Boston, maybe that team knows what they're doing. Maybe we focus a little too much, and I was guilty of this early in the playoffs as well, about where Gabe Benson and Max Struess were or weren't drafted, and not enough of the fact that they have Victor Oladipo coming off the bench, that Bam at, they were they split the first two despite the fact that Bam Adebayo hadn't played well. They're up two one on Boston Wilds. Kyle Lowry has played one. Kyle Lowry's played one game and didn't look healthy. Jimmy Butler's missed a half. Bam has only played one game well. Hero hasn't been great, and they're up two one on Boston. I understand at times Heat culture gets irritating to hear about it, but I'm telling you right now. They, they've got to get credit for what they're accomplishing. So to me, this is more about Miami trying to announce to the world we're damn good than about Boston not winning. Okay. Miami has played two awesome quarters, and the Celtics and haven't shown nonsense. up. It's not nonsense. So t- Tim Bontemps put this on Twitter, and I said, man, is that true? And, Nick, we argued about this, I think, maybe two years ago. You were trying to make a case on how good a series was going because one team was winning the quarters. And I was like, you know what? I'm not in arcade. I don't care about the quarters. I care about the whole game. Well, I've come around to your side now. It took me two years, but now I do believe in the quarters. Can we put up the graphic on how the Celtics have been playing in court? They've won seven quarters. They've tied three, and they've lost two. Both of the quarters that they lost, and I'll throw it to you, Nick, have been by 20-plus points. Yeah. Not great, but after that, they're, e- they're either in it, playing it to even, or they're winning. So there's a feeling when you watch these games, if you didn't watch those two quarters, which, are don't get me wrong, are terrible, most of the game, the Celtics are playing better than the Heat. I, look, it is what it is. They're down. I get it. The Heat deserve all no, the credit. Is- but there's been two quarters where the Celtics did not show up but outside of that, the Celtics are playing better basketball than the Heat. Oh, oh hang the banner. We've won two quarters. No. We've won 10 out of 12 quarters. Hang the banner. I understand Boston hasn't been able to hang many banners in the last 35 years. This, you, You're right. 
We did argue about the importance of quarters in NBA playoff games, most notably how you end quarters. Like in yesterday's Mavs-Warriors game, I thought the end of the first half was a massive moment when Steph took the terrible shot and then Luka hit the three. It ended up not mattering. But I think the way you end quarters is critical. But this is – that graphic is so misleading. It's like I've only had – you know, I've only had two moving violations in the last 12 years. Oh, really? You must be a pretty good driver. What happened in those? Well, I drove into houses. I, you know, a car flipped over. I wrecked that. Like, it, you, when, when you've lost two quarters so badly that it has directly caused you to lose both games, that is not well. Yeah, not great. one quarter by seven and then lost by four, lost by three, lost by – that's not what's happening. They have let go of the rope and given up the game in the third quarter of game one and in the first quarter of game three. And this idea that we're counting quarter wins now as a way to find a way to justify that Boston's better. When Miami was better in the regular season, Miami's been more injured and is better in this postseason. Like, what do you want from them? What more? My question to Brew is this, because, Brew, you said this was going to be the Celtics' easiest series. What does Miami have to do to, to prove to you and others they're good? I'm just curious. Did, did, did I say that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did. Unfortunately, yeah. you said it was gonna be their easiest. <laughs> it's definitely series. not their easiest series. That's the one thing I take back from last week. I'm hanging in there with Celtics in six. I still think they can win the series, but can they do it in six? But look, Nick, they're gonna have to. the The thing with them is this: they're not your typical championship type team. Jimmy Butler is he a superstar? Is he just a star? Even if he, whatever you call him. He came from such a, he averaged two points as a rookie, right? He's the 30th pick in the draft. And you don't generally see guys like that lead teams to championships. And then around him, like you mentioned Struess and Vincent, not even drafted. P.J. Tucker, second round pick. So that's what we're seeing. But look, I, I think that Wilds and I often say both of you are wrong on this show. I rarely, I don't think I've ever said this. Both of you are right. Wilds is right, Nick. Oh. Boston is the better team. And the fact that they've okay. won seven of the quarters or tied, one or tied 10 of the 12 shows that. But Nick, you are right in that Deontay Wilder got outboxed by many people. But he had that one right hand. That if he catches you in round seven or round nine or round four, whatever, doesn't matter what happened for the other rounds. He caught you with the knockout blow, and that's what Miami's been able to do twice in this series. Just quickly, I just want to apologize to the audience. I've talked to my Internet people. It's kind of weird what's going on. They said I will be I should have a crystal clear connection for every time we talk talk heat Celtics. But when we're doing Mavs or the Lakers nonsense, it could come and go. So I don't know what's happening exactly. I'm working with Spectrum. It's weird Thank what's happening. But for Heat Celtics, I should be golden the rest of the world. We'll see about the Mavs segment. I'm glad we, uh, glad we got to that. Hey, you just saw Wiggins dunk Woo. a few minutes ago. Luca was asked about it after the game. This was great. Take a listen to what he had to say. That was impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I saw the video again. I was like, "Oof, that was, that was pretty incredible!" And I wish I had those bunnies.
On Saturday, the New Orleans Breakers take on Jeff Fisher's Michigan Panthers. Kickoff 9 Eastern on FS1. Then on Sunday, the league-leading Birmingham Stallions take on the Pittsburgh Maulers. 2 Eastern, only on Fox. All right, so that's a look ahead. Let's take a quick look back at the best of week six. Nick, start us off with the best big man touchdown. Oh, look at this. Gamblers, Generals. And Gambler's defense forces the fumble. Look at him go. Tomasi Lalele, scoop and score. That's six foot three, 300 plus pounds coming right at you. That's going to be the best big man touchdown of the year, would be my guess for the USFL. Woo. All right, Broussard. Best trick play. Well, my generals. Yeah, my generals in action. Here they are driving in the fourth gender. They're calling this the Philly Jersey special. Cameron Echoes Looper takes the reverse. Throws it back to quarterback Luis Perez for a key first down. Generals punching in as time expired to beat Knicks Gamblers. I'm winning. <laughs> Wilds, best concentration. Stallions, Panthers. Birmingham's Marlon Williams hauls in the catch, loses the helmet. Helps the Stallions improve to 6-0, wow. only undefeated team. All right, good stuff. Time now for stories to start your mornings brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Dallas Mavericks trying to avoid a 3-0 hole to the Dubs. No team has ever come back from one of those in the playoffs, but no team has Luka except the Mavs, and Luka was good last night, 40-11. and 11. You know who else was good? The Warriors, 31 for Steph. How about 27 points for one Andrew Wiggins? Golden State now just one win away from the finals. Nick, we got to start with you. You've been banging the drums, pounding the chest, saying it with bass. How'd you get this one so wrong? Well, I haven't gotten it wrong yet, Jenna. The pick is the Mavs. The Mavs, I don't think they have lost a fourth game as of yet. And I just heard through, just very, very quick question. Would you be shocked if the Mavs won game four? Would you be shocked if the Mavs won two? No. Okay, so Brew doesn't think they're dead either because I just heard Brew explain how Boston could be down 3-1 in a road series and be totally fine. So who says the Mavs can't be down 3-1 in a road series and be totally fine? Series far from over, America. However, what was the 3-0? But then it's 3-1, then it's 3-2. I heard Wilds talk about 3-0 leads or at some point it's going to happen. Did a whole thing. See, guys, I remember everything. I keep it all tucked away in my brain. Because Wilds like, oh, 3-0. It's going to happen at some point when he was trying to kill and beat Harden and Doc Rivers. When they're up 3-0, and then it was 3-1, then it was 3-2. And then Wilds like, oh, boy, what's going to happen? So let's not act like the series is over. It's not. But I did get a few things wrong here, so let's address them. I said this is a terrible matchup for Golden State. It appears to have been a terrible matchup for the Mavericks. Why? At first, one would be like, well, is Steph just crushing them? And the answer to that is no. Steph is not crushing them. Steph's playing well, but he's not crushing them. Clay hasn't played great. Draymond, the best thing that happened to the Warriors in game two was Draymond fouling out, and Poole's been fine. So what happened? Two things happened. I didn't see either one of them coming. One is the Mavs have beaten Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton because neither of those guys could punish them for playing small. Kavon Looney has annihilated them for playing small. He's shooting 78%, and he's getting seemingly an offensive rebound every two minutes. It's just demoralizing. Looney has punished them for playing the way they want to play. Okay, didn't see that coming. 
And the other one is the basketball gods have paid me back because a few years ago, I did a Pat Beverly on Chris Paul to Andrew Wiggins. And Brew tried to talk me out of it. Brew said I was too harsh on him. Brew said he is a fine fourth option and that I'm writing him off too early. And I wrote off not only Wiggins, but the entire Warriors era. I said, because of the trade for Wiggins, they'll never make the finals again. And now because of Wiggins, they're a game away from the finals. So I didn't see that coming at no point. And I was wrong on Wiggins, and I was a little harsh, and I'm going to have to eat it. But that's what happened here. But I'm still – I'm not giving up hope, buddy. All, and you know what could give me even more hope, bro? If Wilds brings out that stupid, ugly, burnt-up broom. That's going to really – that's going to give me <laughs> some light some if problems. I see that some point this segment. But go ahead, bro. Don't show it, Wilds. Do not show it, Wilds. Maybe but look, because you're a little scared. Nick, despite – despite – America, listen to this. Despite Nick picking the Mavericks in this series, he's very smart. He is very smart because he gets out Everybody in front. Oh, that. they're going to destroy me because of the Andrew Wiggins thing. So let me do it first. Let me kill myself yeah. so they really can't come at me like Called that. Called the 8 Mile. But Nick, I, I've got to – there you go. I, that's right. Eminem, right. I've got to talk a little bit more about Wiggins. And in all seriousness, when he went there – look – I think you would agree with me. He has the talent of a number one guy, right? I mean, he was drafted number one. Everybody thought he was going to be a superstar. He has the game of probably a number two guy. But he has the personality. And I don't mean this in a negative way. But he's a legit team player. I don't think he's like, I got to be a superstar. I got to be the best player on the team. I don't know if he even wants that responsibility. So he is the perfect demeanor for a number four option. And that's why I thought he would be resurrected when he went to Golden State because obviously at that point he was a third scoring option behind Stephen Clay. Now you throw Jordan Poole in there, he's the fourth scoring option. And he's a fourth or fifth player, best player because obviously Draymond is in there. And so this is a perfect role for Iguodala. This is the brains of the Warriors organization because they've done this before. Sean Livingston excelled there. Leandro Barbosa excelled there later in his career. And Andre Iguodala, more importantly, Wilds, he was a similar guy. Like, they thought he'd be a number one in Philadelphia early in his career. But he did, you know, he played okay, but he didn't, he couldn't carry the team. He goes to Golden State from Denver. And in this role as a role player, he's exceptional. He's a champion. He's a winner. He's fantastic. And that is what I see happening, Wilds, with Andrew Wiggins. So, yes, Nick, he deserves your props. I'm glad you're giving him props. And to your credit, you did say it a year ago. Oh, nice. Okay, so Look hello, that. everyone. Someone I brought out my terrible-looking broom. <laughs> there it's, it is. It's been, you know, it's had a rough go. It had a rough go cleaning up Barclays. People are like, why is your broom what so bad? It? It's hard to Sweet. clean up all of Barclays with one Worst tiny broom I've ever seen. So here's the thing. The series is over. I know it. Luca knows it. Jason Kidd knows it. Jason, Luca said, hey, I think after this season is done, whatever, I think we're going to look back and learn a lot of things. Not great, the past tense stuff. Here's Jason Kidd. This is just the beginning of the journey. Oh, that's very nice. Still got a game to play. But that basically means the series is over. So, Nick, here's the thing. I don't think Luca played badly at all. I think Luca played pretty well. I do think Luca distributed the ball. But 
I also think, huh, hit my interesting radar when Luka has another 40-point game and the Mavs lose again. Now, Dusty made up this beautiful graphic that that makes Luka's 40-point scoring in the playoffs his, makes his mm. record 2-6. and six. Mm. Magic was 1-3. and three, He rarely did it. Duncan was 1-3. and three, He played a bunch of playoff games. Rarely did it. Russ, 3-4. and four. So I understand you're not saying Luka needs to do more. I don't think Luka needs to do more. I do think Luka might have to do less. So, yeah, Reggie Bullock, you know, went over yesterday. No, but, but drill down on know. it. What, Explain it. What do you well, want to well, – what, in, in games two or three – what should Luca have done? Because clearly you think him scoring 40 led to the loss. So I just want to know. Well, like, we got to finish the thoughts here. So tell me, what should he have done? Tell me. <laughs> I, He's I think you need to wow. keep feeding edge. people and get people hot. I, I don't – look, I don't know what the exact solution is. What I think did it's you just say? When you score 40 points. Hold on. What did you just say? People. Get people I don't hot. Think every one of Reggie Bullock's sh- – no, get, get people going. It's part of the leader's t- responsibility to make everyone else around you better. You want him to be and when Mama guys Bird. struggle Mama around Luca, it's always everybody else's fault. Oh, this guy's fault. Do. This guy's fault. Give this guy's me fault. a break. Maxi Kleba hadn't hit okay, a three in a win. month. It, what do Give you him mean the ball in a different spot. Nobody picked Give him to him win the title. The, the, you, nobody picked him to win Nick, the title. Nick, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Nick. I'll tell you what it is. I'll explain mm-hmm. Wilder's point. And it's not against Luka. I've said it, Nick. Historically, nobody's won this way. Luka is the show. He's a one-man show. We- LeBron didn't win it as a one-man show. Jordan didn't win it as a one-man show. Wilt Chamberlain didn't win it as a one-man Jordan show. did win it it's as a one-man really show. It's not really on Luka, but they got to find a way. They got to find a way to get everyone to excel while Luka's excelling. Yeah, by getting their, better players. It's not like there are these great players. But but better players don't want to play. Better players don't want to play when Luca's doing everything. Based on nothing. What's the great free agent that's like, I don't want to play with Luca? We've seen it before. We've seen it before. They got to tweak the system. We'll see you tomorrow. We're going to stay here and talk.